Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Advanced Route, the show where we bring stats and scouting together to help you in your fantasy football leagues, and your fantasy football leagues are set to begin. Uh, we are recording this here on Tuesday, September 3rd, a little more than 48 hours away from kickoff of the 2019 NFL season when the Bears and Packers play the first game of the year at Soldier Field. We know you're excited. We share your excitement. And we are going to get right into what we're looking at in week one in this episode of The Advanced Route. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined as always by my co-host, Emery Hunt. Emery, you have started your season on the college side of the game. Now we get the NFL uh, side of this thing in the equation as well. Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure to jump on. This past weekend, I was the color analyst for Monmouth at Western Michigan radio broadcast. So was got back Sunday morning at about 2.30 in the morning. Ooh. And so Monday was pretty much trying to get back up to speed, watch film, and and prepare for the long week ahead, uh, which <laughs> which you know takes place. Uh, well, kicking off Thursday, we had college football, and we kick off the NFL Thursday, and I have a broadcast on Saturday as well. So long week ahead, but it's always fun this time of the year. Always fun, and this is just the very, very, very beginning of everything, Emory. We got a whole lot of football ahead of us in the next four or five months. Absolutely. It's going to be exciting, man, because you have so many storylines, so many intriguing players and, and fits for teams that I just can't wait to see it play out. Now the speculation is all gone. We kick it off for real. And now we can find out, you know, who's what and what is what. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. Well, that takes us exactly into where I want to go with this uh, sixth episode of the advanced route overall. But first, in the regular season. So we spent the first five weeks of this show uh, projecting ahead of what we might see and and how to deal with certain situations in your drafts and auctions. Well, for the most part, those are in the rear view mirror. There are some people, myself included, who still have one more to go here before the season begins. But for the most part, we are totally done with that. We're not going to be talking about how things are going to fit or how you should be diagnosing situations. We're actually going to see it play out on the field. So the way that we went into uh, this week's episode of the advanced route was I asked Emery, give me three teams that you are excited to see in week one, not, you know, the, the necessarily the chiefs and the Rams and Super Bowl contenders. I, he could have, could have thrown those in there, but what are the teams that you are most intrigued by teams that you can't wait to see how they deploy their resources in week one. And that's how we're going to focus our time here on the advanced route this week. The first team Emery that you threw to me, was the Miami Dolphins. And this is going to be, I think, a very interesting fantasy team in those terms, in terms of who's going to be the guy carrying the ball in the backfield. Who's going to be the wide receiver one? Is there any regular, consistent, week-in, week-out fantasy value on this team? And I think we have to start in the backfield. Kalen Balaj versus Kenyon Drake. Going into week one, uh, let me ask you, A, how do you diagnose this situation? And B, what are you looking for in week one between from these two guys? Well, number one, I think it's going to be probably a split backfield with Drake and Balazs getting a lot of work as both guys are terrific athletes. Both guys are very good receivers downfield and also out of the backfield. So they share a lot of similar traits. If I had to choose the better runner out of the two pure running back skills, I would go with Kenyon Drake. But it seems as though the Dolphins are going to go with Balazs as a starter. He's listed as the starter on their depth chart. We'll see how long that that last once the game actually begins. So I think you're going to see split share. Both guys can bring a lot of uniqueness to the table. So to me, if you're talking fantasy, you're probably going to look at both of these players 
as RB2s to maybe flex players uh, rather than a starter that you can go in week in, week out, knowing, okay, this is my guy. Because I think both guys will be each other's handcuffs. If I am someone who has Kalen Balaj on a fantasy team, um, what would I see from him other than, you know, getting more carries than Kenyon Drake? But what, what, what could I see on Sunday when they play the Ravens um, that would make me think, oh, I, maybe I have something on my hands here? Basically, when, when Kalen Balaj is at his best, when Kalen Balaj is doing what he does, what is he doing? <laughs> it's funny you layer it that way because to me they they it should be a no-brainer that Kenya Drake should be the starter <laughs> uh, because when you look at Belage against this Ravens defense you want to say okay can he be a blitz beater you know where he can catch those outlet passes and and make a guy miss and explode down the field for a chunk play I don't see him being that guy I see that as more of Kenyon Drake he would pose more of a threat to me on those sprint draws versus a, a, a run blitz or, you know, him leaking out of the backfield, going downfield on a wheel route or something like that. I see him more as that guy, that threat, than Kalen Balazs. So, to be honest, I don't know what you're going to see <laughs> from Balazs uh, against this particular defense because his vision isn't where it needs to be as far as being a pure runner. Again, he's more of an athlete playing running back. He's more Charles Clay than he is David Johnson, if that makes sense. So, I think Balazs is probably going to be someone – Speaking for your fantasy team, you probably want to get rid of right now. <laughs> you mean he's more Chase Edmonds than he is David Johnson? No, Chase Edmonds is actually good. <laughs> okay, I was a little uh, was having trouble following you there, but now I've got you. So then let's look at it from Drake's perspective. I only asked about Balazs since he is, as you said, listed as the starter on the depth chart. So looking at this from Drake's perspective, again, other than he got you know 14 carries to Balazs' six, I feel pretty good about where this thing is sitting right now. What am I, what's going to get me excited as a Kenyon Drake owner? If I see XYZ, what, would, what will be that XYZ that gets me excited about Kenyon Drake going into week two? Him with the ball in his hands in space. You know, whether, again, that's going to be on these outside runs or using him in a short passing game and allowing him to make a guy miss because he has that explosive speed to really change the field position. And when you, you look at what he did, in spot duty behind Frank Gore, behind uh, Jay Ajayi, behind Damian Williams. Drake was always a guy that was shining, like, man, they need to get him more carries. And when they finally are deciding to give him more carries, they quickly go ahead on and, and put Balazs in there or put somebody else in there, and they throw off what could potentially be an explosive playmaker. He could be exactly what Damian Williams was for this Dolphins team. Uh, Damian Williams was for the Chiefs during the latter part of the season, I think Drake could be that guy for Miami, but it's unfortunate. Miami's whole situation is unique, which is why I had him on, you know, number one mm -hmm. on teams. I'm interested to see in, in week one. Before we move on from the running backs, is there any reason why Drake hasn't been given the opportunity to be that guy for this team? Obviously this year uh, he had foot injury and training camp and he's been practicing for about a week now. So it seems like that's hopefully in the rear view mirror. But is there anything other than the uh, whims of the coaching staffs that he has played under that have kept him from emerging as a, a clear top running back for the Dolphins so far? Yeah, I think it's just we're in the era of coaches overthinking things and coaches are also we're in the era of coaches thinking scheme is more important. Back in the day, coaches like, hey, give the best dude the ball and put the best guys out there. Nowadays, you have some coaches like, well, you know, if my scheme 
is more important than the players. They just have to adjust to the scheme. And, you know, I need players for my system. This guy doesn't fit the scheme. Like, bro, you're a terrible coach if you can't figure out how to get your best players in position to do what they do best, make plays. And you see that a lot more so today as opposed back then. If Barry Sanders or Thurman Thomas played today, they will be misused criminally than they was back then when coaches was like, yo, this dude, every time I see him touch the ball, somebody's either tearing the ACL, breaking the ankle, give this dude the ball a lot more because he does crazy things with it. So I just don't understand a lot of what we see nowadays as far as personnel is concerned. And that's why you have this confusion or this, you know, this uh, seem to put Kenyon Drake, a player like Kenyon Drake, in some sort of, you know, quagmire of inconsistency, but it's not really his fault. Well, hopefully we can maybe see that recede uh, this season because he definitely has been an exciting guy when he's been given these opportunities. Uh, Miami's wide receiver core, pretty head-scratching one. Uh, We had a feeling that was going to be the case, but here's what they've got on the active roster going into week one. Devontae Parker, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, uh, Alan Hearns, Preston Williams. That's it. That's the whole active roster wide receiver core. Uh, Can you make any sense of this going into week one? They have some talent here. You know, I like Parker. I've always liked Parker. I've always liked Grant. Albert Wilson has speed, so he can be what they let go in Kenny Stills. And Preston Williams, I think, is going to turn into their 1A next to Devontae Parker. So they have some talent on the perimeter to where they can make some noise. Preston Williams was a star in the preseason. Devontae Parker seems to be a guy that has finally gotten it together. He's healthy, and he's going to continue to grow in the right direction. Grant is their version. Grant and Wilson are their versions of your Tyreek Hill and um, your DeAnthony Thomas, fast guys that can make you miss, that are, that are explosive. So there's some opportunity here value-wise, fantasy, if you're talking about a Dolphins receiver. Um, I would probably gamble more long-term on Preston Williams. And Grant is more of your flex guy, so he has those same issues that you worry about from a Kiki Cutie where he has those fast guy injuries where it's just kind of nagging or maybe they don't get him involved. Maybe a coach will feel as though, oh, he's too small. Maybe we can't put him in certain situations. But Preston Williams has the size, has the versatility. I think that would be the guy to gamble on if you're looking for, you know, someone as your wide receiver five or maybe someone to have on your bench. Uh, and I would take a chance on Preston Williams. What do you expect to see from this group of guys in week one against Baltimore? Uh, they're, they're significant underdogs in this game. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, that makes you think, hey, maybe they'll get some opportunities to make some plays. Uh, what do you think we see from this group of receivers uh, on Sunday? Because I feel as though they're going to be down big in this game, you may have the volume opportunity you know, as far as targets. So, they, I mean, this is a tough matchup for them, not only from – you know, a wide receiver versus cornerback matchup, but that offensive line versus this Ravens defensive front seven. This is an offensive line that's going to start a left tackle in Julian Davenport, who just got there yesterday. Uh, they let go Laramie. They traded Laramie Tunsil. They have right now listed on the depth chart, two rookies started, one drafted in the third round, Michael Dieter out of Wisconsin, and Deion Calhoun, who's an undrafted free agent, is listed at the start. Now, they also have some veterans and Danny Isadora who they bring over and Evan Boehm but we'll see if those guys can can step in and, and start but you're asking guys that just got there to start right away that just doesn't bode well for any targets 
anybody in this passing game because you have a new patchwork offensive line in conjunction with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And to me, that's probably a, a, a fade as far as anybody on this Dolphins roster. Well, let's talk about the, the, those two uh, uh, entities in tandem there. The offensive line, um, what – what can you see from them this week? Obviously, as you said, they've got their hands full against uh, against Baltimore and being a patchwork line at the moment. But what could you see from them this week or over the first month of the season that would make you think that, you know, things are headed in the right direction? Well, if they have some sort of chemistry, that's always a great thing because that's going to give you time in the pocket, allowing you to find targets deeper downfield. And I don't care how good the secondary is in Baltimore. If you give a quarterback time, he's going to find someone open. Somebody's going to break free. So that's one thing you would want to see uh, from this offensive line real quick. Cause if you don't, and it happens as I'm projecting it to happen, I just don't see them having success in this matchup against Baltimore. All right. Entity number two here is the quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, do you think that this is a Josh Rosen's going to be the starter eventually Ryan Fitzpatrick's just keeping the seat warm or could Ryan Fitzpatrick end up starting 14, all 16 for Miami this season. No, I think this is a Tom Savage situation where you're going to see him start and then he's going to play himself out of a job. Now, it won't be as bad as Tom Savage, which Hmm. lasted his era lasted a quarter and a half. This is going to be probably a four game run for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then they'll move on to Josh Rosen. What um, is there anything about Rosen's game that uh, that has you excited for sort of a new start for him getting out of Arizona? Well, he has better passing skills than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's, I think, a more accurate passer. Um, now, he doesn't have the 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 it factor that Fitzpatrick has, but Fitzpatrick has that only in spurts. Mm-hmm. And so that's what keeps him from not being a full-time starter. Uh, when you need him to be clutch, he tends to fold a little bit. But there are certain elements within that that allow him to have those clutch moments where you see him escape pressure and find somebody deep down the field Last year, week one versus New Orleans was a great example of that. So right now, you have to be worried about the quarterback situation in Miami. Um, those first four games, hold on, I'm uh, trying to pull up their schedule. I want to see what those first four games are. I'm not necessarily holding you to it, but so it's Baltimore week one, New England week two, at Dallas week three, and Chargers week four. I mean, that, that, that's that got 0-4 written all over it. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, you could probably – pretty much booked that and (laughs) And then a week five bye. also they might lose that one too (laughs) it seems like the perfect time to make the rosen transition right there during that bye week they come out of their bye week six playing against washington at home that may be rosen versus haskins too yeah well we i I hope i sort of hope it is no offense to uh case keenum or ryan fitzpatrick but uh be fun for us to revisit that given how much we've talked about uh, Dwayne Haskins here on the advanced route. Um, one more thing before we get away from the Dolphins, uh, just in case anyone missed uh, the show from a couple of weeks ago when you uh, went crazy for Mike Kosicki, I just want to give you another opportunity to talk about him and tell us why you're excited about him this season and what you're looking for out of him in week one. I think he's going to be awesome. You know, I'm a big fan of his game and he's finally st- starting to get noticed that he's on the roster with this new coaching staff because the last coaching staff, Adam Gase and company just didn't realize they had a six, five tight end that can, you know, uh, become a a red zone target, you know, and, and be a consistent threat within their offense. I think he's going to get more utilized in this offense. I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick will 
because of pressure will probably find him quicker than these outside receivers. So I think he's going to be fine. I, I would say he is a sleeping giant on his Dolphins team. You know, uh, after that show that we had a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the tight end position league-wide, uh, I ended up uh, really thinking about Kosicki when I was in my drafts, and I've got him on a couple of teams, Emery, so uh, I, I, hope you're, I hope you're right on about him because uh, definitely see those physical tools and definitely see the opportunity uh, that could exist for him in the Miami offense, so I hope that all comes to uh, fruition for him this season. So, you, so you're saying you have more than one fantasy team? Uh Emery, I, I'm on this side of the uh, of the equation. I have like 11 fantasy teams. How does that even work? <laughs> uh, well, there are a few. There are a handful of leagues that I care about more than others. And on Sundays, like those, the players on those teams are the ones that are in my mind. But between old leagues with friends and college friends and uh, you know work people and people here at the athletic and industry leagues, you just you know it's sort of uh, like a layer cake. One just gets piled on top of the next. I hear you, man. It's like that, that that seems like a lot, you know. Pick yeah. pick one good team and enroll with it. That's what you know. I've got one league with my friends that we started in 1998. We're in our set 22nd year. And when I'm sitting there on Sunday, that's the team that's in my head. That's the team I'm thinking about. Speaking of the Dolphins, we got breaking news here. They just released Nate Orchard, who is a top pass rusher in the preseason. Oh, wow. Whatever the under or the you know the the line is in 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 this Baltimore Ravens Miami Dolphins game, take the Ravens. <laughs> Can't be high enough. <laughs> like whatever you can get it for right now, take it because it's gonna go up, 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 and up. Last I saw, it was like eight and a half somewhere right Jump around there. It. Jump on it. <laughs> uh, well, and then speaking of that, well, we'll have uh, the debut show of Best on the Board coming to you on Wednesday, September 4th, where Chris Meany and I will be talking uh, uh, survivor picks and, and against the spread picks and all that all season. Little advertisement. Thanks for listening. Anyways, moving on to our next team here, Emery, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, this is another team that I find to be really intriguing. Uh, this season. The number one thing that stands out to me uh, from a fantasy perspective when I look at this team is the backfield. Chris Carson was excellent last year. Rashad Penny was a first round pick last year who just couldn't really seem to get going when he did get healthy uh, after having the hand injury in training camp and was given opportunity. He did look good, but it was always in spurts because Chris Carson really held down that backfield last year. So Week one, we got another big favorite here, just like Baltimore's over Miami. Seattle, a comfortable favorite at home against Cincinnati. What do you think we see from this backfield uh, in week one? Is this totally the Chris Carson show? I don't think it's the Chris Carson show totally. This is the same situation we we saw or we just talked about in Miami. We have a guy in Carson who is a, you know, if Captain Caveman was a running back, he'd be Chris Carson. You know, he, you know, he just crashed into everything, just wild no vision just kind of like plow through everything and if he makes it on the other side that's great but if he doesn't oh well he just you know inflicted some pain on somebody meanwhile you have a guy in Rashad Penny who has the speed elusiveness and burst to rip long runs in chunks not just 20 yard bursts I'm talking 70 yard runs yet they chose Captain Caveman Mm -hmm. and uh, allowed him to crash into everything so until Guys start to figure out that you may want to give your best guy the ball and allow him to get into a groove. This situation is is murky. Um, but I will I do think Carson will have some success initially, but his running style will yield itself to him doing what crash test dummies tend to do, and that's get hurt. And so you'll see or get nicked up into where he's gonna have to, you know, miss time and 
and gets subbed in and out a lot, which means Rashad Penny has a chance has a chance to take over not only for a play or two, but series. And if that happens, they'll start to see him get into a groove, start to see him show that that talent that we saw at San Diego State. And then he'll slowly take over that job and allow Carson to do what he can be best at, in my opinion, in a complimentary role and not as a lead dog. Uh, I totally hear what you're saying. And a lot of people were very excited about Rashad Penny last year. But then if that's the player Carson is, uh, how does a guy like that go for 1,150 yards, nine touchdowns like he did a season ago? The same way that Jordan Howard ran for all those yards because teams just keep giving him the ball. Now, he ran for 4.7 yards a carry, which is good. Mm-hmm. But imagine a guy with vision and breakaway speed with those same opportunities. That average is probably 5.3, and okay. it's probably 1,400 yards and probably 13 touchdowns. So that's the difference, and that's why I always laugh when these these idiots on Twitter talk about the running backs don't matter. Well, this is the difference between a Darren McFadden rushing for 1,000 yards and Zeke leading the league in rushing the next year behind that same offensive line. That is the difference between a game breaker and a good pro back. Do you think we see that breakdown between those two guys right away? I mean, we know it's not just going to be – they want Penny involved. Uh, they had him involved at the end of last year, halfway through last year. They obviously want him involved right off the bat this season. Do you think – and I'm not asking you to get totally in the mind of Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer, but is this a – I don't know, let's just say in an average game where they're getting 20 carries, is this – 12 for Carson and 8 for Penny, 14 for Carson and 6 for Penny, 10 and 10? Could be somewhere, of, you know, a combination of all three. all depends on the matchup. Um, the good thing for Penny is that there's no Mike Davis this year. So, therefore, you don't have to feel like they got to find ways to split the ball in, th- in three. So, him with Carson as the main one-two, there's a, a better chance of that being closer to 10-10 as opposed to, you know, 14-8 and 6, something like that. I know I'm the fantasy guy on this show, but do you think Rashad Penny, even if let's say Chris Carson stays healthy all season, is there enough of a role in this offense for Penny to still be a consistent fantasy starter? I mean, can he be a guy who puts together 10 carries and four targets a game? I don't know, man, because I I just don't trust Schottenheimer's offense, you know, to where you can say, okay, yeah, he's going to get this work each and every, I just don't get it. So I, the talent, why from a pure football standpoint, Penny is better than Carson. But for fantasy football purposes, I can understand why someone would be hesitant. Next question, you took me right into it, is Brian Schottenheimer. Year two under Brian Schottenheimer. This is a guy who's bounced, he's been around the league plenty. We He's definitely got a book on him. Uh, what do you think we see from him in year two in Seattle? If his last name was Scalabrini, it wouldn't even be a question. <laughs> but since it's Schottenheimer, he tends to bounce around and stay around. Now, credit the Seahawks running game or, you know, their rush offense was number one last year. But there's so many factors involved with that because it didn't pass a lot, partly because it didn't have to and partly because, you know, they probably want to emphasize that they have a good backfield and want to get that offensive line going forward as opposed to setting up in pass pro. However, one element that people forget is that they have a mobile quarterback, which always makes the run game better. And I think that's where people get fooled by Chris Carson. What you want to see this year from Brian Schottenheimer is allowing Russell Wilson to attack more in the passing game. I think they have some targets they brought up uh, this year that can help that be a good thing for Seattle, which will then help those two backs in Carson and Penny have even more success on the ground. 
Tyler Lockett, a hyper-efficient receiver over the last two years, probably the most efficient receiver that we had in the league last year in terms of yards and touchdowns produced per per reception and per target. Uh, and now DK Metcalf listed today, I saw this morning, as the uh, week one starter alongside Tyler Lockett. What What's going to make these two guys work so well together? Well, the fact that he's a deep ball receiver, does a great job in tracking a deep ball, and Russell Wilson is the best deep ball thrower in in the NFL. So those two strengths work well together in this offense where ideally you're going to come off play action, take a deep shot, and that's where Russell Will, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf can uh, really thrive in, in year one. Uh, I believe it was that same tight end show where I was talking about Kosicki earlier. I think that show uh, was we talked about tight ends and we talked about rookie wide receivers. DK Metcalf was your number one rookie wide receiver uh, back then. What are you hoping to see from him early in the season? He was my number one uh, split in. So I, I've always break my receivers down into four right, right. positions, split in, flanker, uh, slot, and in, bigger inside receiver. So what, what I liked about him was his ability to, to get deep stack and track. And if you can do that, it's going to be tough to, to really you know defend you. And I think when you look at Seattle and what they've lacked for a long time is that guy that can do just that. Um, at, at his size. So it, it gives you a bigger window for Russell Wilson to, to try to find and a bigger target, I'm sorry. And it allows these other guys, these ancillary guys like your Lockets, your John, your Sora. Um, Jennings is another stack and track guy. So they got some dudes that can do a lot of the same things. And that's why I think this passing game will be much better than people expect, uh, people anticipate it being. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, they're the two guys on this team who feel like known commodities. Is there any reason to expect anything off-brand from either of these two guys this year? Not not really. I think Russell Wilson doesn't get credit for being one of the best quarterbacks in the game. And when you look at his numbers, they're just like Aaron Rodgers' numbers, uh, high touchdown numbers, low INTs, pass rating is always in the hundreds consistently. He's one of the best consistent passers in the game. So. I would, I would expect more of the same from Russell Wilson, who is well on his way to being a Hall of Famer. And then if if you talk about Brian Schottenheimer being leaning a little bit more into the past this season, how does that manifest itself? What does that look like? It's one thing to say, you know, Russell Wilson threw 30 passes per game last year. This year he's going to throw 36. But what does that actually – how does that translate on the field? I think you'll see them dial up more deep shots than anything, which is – why they went out and got the guys that they they were able to draft. Um, and it probably wouldn't be long before you'll see a, a call up from the practice squad with Jazz Ferguson, another guy that's built similarly to DK Metcalf, a little bit taller, a little bit bigger, but same skills, good speed, good separation, big body target. Once he gets the nuances down, I think you're, you'll see him get called up as well, giving them yet another big target for Russell Wilson to take those intermediate to deep shots down the field. Uh, this, again, is uh, one of the biggest favorites on the board in week one. Seattle playing at home against Cincinnati. Um, what are you hoping to see from them? I, I mean, I know we sort of have hit on every single position group, but uh, in, in a perfect world, if you say, you know what, who, you know who made me really happy today? You know who made me really happy in week one, Mike? The Seattle Seahawks. What will they have done to make you say that? I would say balance. You know, I would say the running game popped. You had a 100-yard rusher. Russell Wilson looked very efficient throwing the football, maybe 310-something yards. And, you know, we we saw a, a true number one emerge, whoever that receiver could be. 
you want to see one emerge and you just want to see the offense look like a cohesive 2019 offense. You know, a lot of balance, you know, some chunk plays, uh, efficiency at a high level and points adding up on the scoreboard. If we see that, I think it would be a good day for Seattle. You think there's any risk of an upset here or Seattle takes care of business? There's always a risk. Week one is essentially the fifth preseason game. But I, I think when you look at Cincinnati, I like their defense. I think defensively they can they can probably cause some issues here and, and make this game uh, you know tight early on. But offensively, without A.J. Green, you don't really know what you're going to get from Tyler Eifert. The focus will be on uh, um, Boyd out there. Uh, Tyler Boyd. And so that's going to force another receiver. John Ross, can he step up and be that guy? Do we really know what they have in him? So right now, I think I don't see that upset happening. Let me ask you one more thing on Cincinnati. I know this isn't a team we were going to talk about, but just because of the Giovanni Bernard extension today, uh, you know, people are already writing him into a larger role in the offense. What do you think we see from the uh, Mixon-Bernard breakdown in week one? I think we'll see Bernard more in the passing game. Uh, trying to take advantage of an over-aggressive defense coming from Seattle, which now has Jadevian Clowney. So with the pressure they plan to bring, your quick game, your screen game, try to get a running back matched up one-on-one on on a linebacker, you'll see more of that than anything, which is why Bernard probably would be a good bet to be a flex player in PPR leagues because of what you would, would expect to see from him against a team like Seattle. You know, Joe Mixon was a late first, early second round pick across the fantasy industry this year, typically ahead of guys like uh, Todd Gurley, like that second group of wide receivers. If you made that pick, are you now a little bit concerned about it going into the season? No, not at all. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Had to ask since we were on the uh, on the uh, Bengals there. One more team to get to uh, in this uh, week one episode of the advanced route. And this is one that uh, certainly has a lot of people intrigued going into week one. It's the Oakland Raiders. Uh, we've seen them on hard knocks. We've seen them through the Antonio Brown helmet and uh, frostbite sagas. Uh, we're ready for week. We're definitely ready to see them. I'm sure they cannot wait to put the cameras uh, behind them and just get on to playing real life football. Uh, have to start with Antonio Brown here. I've been telling everyone who will listen, forget about the summer, forget about the craziness. This is Antonio Brown. Do you think I'm going to end up being right about that? Yeah, you're going to be right because at the end of the day, what we always say on this show, talent rises to the top. And so when you have the talent like he does, it's going to always show itself. It doesn't matter who, what, when, where, why, how. Antonio Brown is going to be Antonio Brown, whether he's playing in Pittsburgh, Oakland, or Piscataway, New Jersey. He's going to be Antonio Brown. doesn't matter. Yep. Pittsburgh, Oakland, uh, Roethlisberger Carr, the Piscataway, New Jersey high school quarterback. Kmart parking lot. Yeah. doesn't matter. It's Antonio Brown's going to figure it out. That's how, I've, uh, that's how I've felt about him all summer. All right. We'll get to the pass catchers in a second. But then I want to flip us over to the running back situation. Josh Jacobs, the first back off the board this year. What – do you think we get from him in week one? I mean, is this going to be a situation where he's in total command of the backfield? Yep. I think you're going to see that because Gruden, I've said this before, everyone wants to look like the smartest guy in the room when they make a selection. So in order to make this pick look like it was the right pick, they're going to feed him, especially when you know your offense in the first game of the regular season will be inconsistent as hell. So you got to find a way to neutralize that. Best way to do that, running the football. And so we're probably going to see the most carries from Josh Jacobs in week one than we probably will see throughout the course of the season. 
because until that offense gets up to speed, we know the timing in the passing game probably won't be where it needs to be. That will happen probably in week four. So in order to supplement that, Josh Jacobs will probably get 25 carries in this ball game. I think he's in for a, a huge day of work because we hadn't really seen him outside of a few appearances here and there in the preseason. So it's going to be up to him to really step up and be ready to go because he's going to see a lot of work, in my opinion, in this game. Right. Not only did we not see a ton of him in the preseason, but you and I didn't really get an opportunity to talk about him in this venue leading up to the start of the season. So what is your scouting report of Josh Jacobs? What sort of back do you think he is as a rookie? I think he's a good back. Uh, He was my number two back in his draft class behind Daryl Henderson. Um, When I look at Josh Jacobs, I see a guy that can do it all. He can make you miss. He can, you know, he has the ability to, to string moves together and making moves going downhill. He can be a good downfield threat in the passing game. His pass pro is, is okay where it needs to be. He just doesn't have the explosiveness that you want to see from a tailback that will make him a frontline guy. And he doesn't really have uh, the extensive history because that you want to see from a guy that was taken in the first round. He only had one run over 20 yards the last season at Alabama. And a lot of his touchdowns were short yardage touchdowns. So there's still a relative unknown about his game. And even on film, we hadn't seen him carry the full load at all. Again, when you don't have that ability to, to hit the home run in this day and age of the NFL, it makes you kind of more of a spot guy than a consistent starter. So it's still the jury is still out. There's still a lot of unknown about Josh Jacobs being the number one guy, but he's going to get the opportunity because they have no one else behind him. As you said, we're going to learn a lot about him right off the bat, not only because he's the starting back, but because they seem committed to making him as much of a workhorse as they possibly can. Uh, The one guy who could complicate matters uh, in terms of the way we talk about workhorses in the fantasy world is Jalen Richard. Uh, 63 catches on 81 targets for 607 yards last season. Obviously, he is a talented receiving back. Uh, Is there any reason to think that Oakland lessens his role this year? I I, I doubt it. I think his complimentary role will be what it is because of the relative unknown of Josh Jacobs. We may see him take a little bit more hands-on approach early on in the season until they feel comfortable enough with Josh Jacobs being the full-time guy. So right now I would probably see, uh, you know, his role being a little bit of what it was last year before we start to see it dissipate a little bit later in the season. What are you looking for out of the Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams pairing? I think this is a sneaky wide receiver one or top two uh, combo that Oakland could be throwing out there every single week. I agree with you. I think people are not giving their passing game a lot of credit because between those two guys, they have speed, they have the ability to make the big play. Then you throw in what they love in Hunter Renfro and Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant is a savvy route runner, your ideal slot receiver. They love Hunter Renfro, who is sort of cut from the same cloth. So the passing game, all depending on the timing that they have been able to to, uh, get down with a quarterback like Derek Carr, we should see these guys have uh, successful seasons. They may even flirt with two 1,000-yard receivers. I think they'll both perform really well because we know Antonio Brown will do his thing. Tyrell Williams, to me, has more to prove than anybody because he's coming in as the guy, you know, 1A to to the, you know, the one or 1B to the 1A and Antonio Brown. So Williams wants to prove that he was worth that, that contract, that he was worth the opportunity. So I think both guys, there's a lot of room for these two players to have success. 
Yeah, it's a totally new look offense. Uh, Antonio Brown coming over from Pittsburgh. Tyrell Williams coming over from the Chargers. They used the first round pick on Josh Jacobs. Uh, Darren Waller uh, taking over as the starting tight end. Uh, is this something where you that you have confidence in Derek Carr being able to put all together? I think so, man. I actually like Derek Carr. I know a lot of people don't like Derek Carr. They you know, they say the Raiders need a quarterback, but I don't see Derek Carr being terrible, man. I, I see a guy that that can definitely play. He's probably more Matt Stafford than anything. So I can understand why someone will say, and eh, they could do better. Yes, they can do better, but you're talking about an Oakland Raiders QB that has made three Pro Bowls, got them to the playoffs when they hadn't made the playoffs in over a decade. And so he's performed well. Now you have better targets around him. Let's see what he can do. I would I would be willing to give him a chance to, to prove his worth. I, I don't think he's a terrible QB. I think he's okay, just like I think Matt Stafford's okay, and that is okay. <laughs> Being okay is okay. There you go. <laughs> um, what do you hope to see from him specifically week one? It's the last game of the uh, of the first week of the season, Monday Night Football, uh, the Monday Night Football nightcap, which I love. I love the bag, the doubleheader on Monday Night Football in week one. Broncos, Raiders, uh, going up against that Broncos defense. What do you think Carr needs to do to have a successful night? Avoid the turnovers because we know about the no-fly zone, Chris Harris. He also has to avoid the sacks, which is that's going to be what the biggest key in that game is. Can they keep him clean in the pocket? Because you you have Bradley Chubb and also Von Miller rushing the pass. They both are really good at getting to the quarterback. And if they can't protect the edge, then we know what Denver can do on the inside. They have a really good uh, inside in, interior pressure with with uh, Derek Wolf. We saw Draymond Jones step up in the pre, in the preseason as well. Keep an eye on rookie Justin Holland, so, so out of uh, Oregon. They have a ton of guys that can really affect the pocket and get pressure. And if they can't protect, this thing is all for not, at least for that evening, uh, against the Broncos. Anyone else on this Oakland team that fantasy players should be keeping an eye on in week one? I mean, obviously, A.B., Josh Jacobs, those guys are owned in 100% of leagues. Tyrell Williams, also largely owned. Is there anyone who we could be talking about as a sneaky waiver wire guy after this week one matchup with Denver? Hunter Renfro. We didn't see much of him in the preseason. Gruden loves him. He actually... um, let go Keelan Doss, who balled out for them in the preseason, which mm-hmm. tells me they probably didn't feel as though Doss would crack the lineup and he could have used that roster spot elsewhere, which also tells me that they're expecting big things from Hunter Renfro. And when you have a guy that is going to face a lot of pressure in Derek Carr this evening against that defense, the ball will come out quick. It will probably come out short. Who's probably going to get open quicker? The slot receiver that has the third best coverage. That's where a guy like Hunter Renfro can can thrive. So I think he's going to have a, a, a nice debut to where you can see a lot of people scrambling to pick him up uh, next week. We certainly saw a lot of those skills on display at Clemson. That is going to do it for us here in this week one edition of the Advanced Route. Uh, we are so excited to get this season underway. We hope you are as well. Uh, if you uh, like what you're hearing, please rate, review us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a follow. Those new episodes will come right into your inbox whenever they are ready. Emery, always a good time. Always a pleasure talking with you, my friend. And I know the the football season started for us last week. That was the college game. Now the NFL game is starting for us this week. It really has finally arrived. 
Yep, I can't wait, man. It's going to be awesome. Always good talking shop with you. And, you know, hopefully we continue to give the people what we what they need and what they want, because we've d- been doing it all throughout <laughs> the course of these podcasts. Every week we say something that happens before it happens. And then everybody try to re- uh, remember where they heard it first. And then you see all these articles come out, but they all get their information from the advanced route. So holla. I got holla indeed. I love that. Gotta love that. We did it for you in the summer. We hope to continue doing it through the fall and the winter and all fantasy season long. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Michael Beller for Emory Hunt. We wish you a very happy week one of the NFL season, a week two of the college football season. We'll be right back with you next Tuesday on the advanced route.